everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the 16th episode of The Virtual Couch. Uh, 16, that is a significant number because now we're legal to drive. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, ultra marathon runner, and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography addiction recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from pornography addiction and compulsive sexual behavior. If you or anybody that you know is struggling with pornography addiction, please point them to pathbackrecovery.com. There you can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to overcome pornography addiction, and you can sign up for the online program. Again, that's pathbackrecovery.com. And thanks as always to Eli's Extracts for sponsoring the virtual couch. If you use coupon code virtual couch, all one word, you get 25% off of any order of their all natural organic shave creams that are scented with essential oils. So head over to Eli's, E-L-I-S extracts.com and do your skin a favor. Um, and before I get to the intro for my guest today, uh, I just want to encourage you, if you're a Facebook person, um, search out the, the site Parenting or the Facebook um, page Parenting Magic. Parenting Magic. That is a, a site or a Facebook page um, where my new friend Robin Copa does interviews on parenting. And Robin came in to um, and sat on the virtual couch a couple of weeks ago. And I think we were planning on going maybe 15, 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes. And an hour later, um, her husband Carlton, the cameraman, had to cut us off because I had a client coming in. Um, but man, we just covered a lot of uh, a lot of good topics about how to build empathy with your kids and how to parent teenagers and and uh, how to work together as um, husband and wife, or, and you know, in parenting, and it just felt like it was uh, just it was one of these things where all the things that I love and I'm passionate about uh, kind of came together, and I'm just I'm really grateful for that opportunity that Robin gave me. So that entire video is on the Parent Magic. Um, Facebook page, as well as my own Tony Overbay Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist Facebook page, which uh, you are welcome to go visit as well. Okay, let's get to my guest today. I met my guest today, Michaela Olson, several months ago through a friend, and I have to tell you that you never quite realize some of your own um, triggers, for lack of a better word, until you're confronted with them. And I know that sounds kind of ominous, triggers, right? But what I mean by that is that if you've you've ever stumbled upon my bio online somewhere, I I think it says something like, um, Tony was a promising baseball prospect until he got run over by a boat, which is true. I had a a pretty good um, high school baseball career, and I started hearing from some colleges and even did a campus visit or two, and then I was literally run over by a 28-foot dual prop ski boat on my senior trip. We were down in Lake Powell. I was trying to kick off a ski and uh, ski with one ski and um, just kind of, we were all having fun. Nobody was, nobody was intoxicated. You know, everything was uh, uh, kind of all above board, but um, I, the guy driving the boat left it not in, he didn't turn the engine off. He, um, and didn't, he thought he left it in neutral, but it was kind of slightly going back. And uh, so anyway, I got run over by this boat and I still have some cool scars on my legs. Um, but so that kind of did a little number on my high school <clears throat> or on my college baseball career because I spent that entire summer um, just kind of laying in bed. And, um, you know, that was a, that was a, a really crazy experience because that same summer I also had four close friends, really close friends die in a car crash. So, um, what I did then was I followed my best friend out of state and I did my freshman year of college at Kansas state university, um, go wildcats in Manhattan, Kansas. And there I tried to walk onto the baseball team, but my heart really kind of wasn't in it. Um, I gained a little bit of weight through a summer of, again, literally laying in bed with my legs bandaged up, 
Uh, I was out of shape, and so then I get to college. My high school coach put together a nice package of stats, and the coach there was was wonderful. He was welcoming, and I played a little bit, and then I just kind of just stopped playing. I just dropped it. Um, my heart just wasn't in it. So there was always that kind of what if, you know, when I when I think about baseball. So when I met my guest, um, who I'm going to bring on here in a minute, he was introduced to me as somebody who had played pro baseball. And all of a sudden, I had this flood of emotions of the old, man, what if I would have done this or, you know, those kind of things. And then I just found myself wanting to tell um, Michaela, uh, who has actually played professional baseball, about, you know, yeah I, yeah, I was pretty good in high school, you know, doing that kind of stuff. Though, Come see my trophies kind of a story. And, and then I start getting into my excuses of why I didn't go further. And I caught myself halfway through the story. And realized that he was a very kind person. He's nodding his head and acting like um, acting like he is paying attention. But he probably kind of didn't care. And I even wonder if he gets that kind of thing all the time um, of people talking about their own baseball careers. And so then he and I have developed a friendship moving forward, talking about pretty much anything but baseball. But I've been dying to get him on the podcast to talk about the mental aspect of the game, um, how to handle success and failure. And I have to tell you, we had a limited amount of time for this recording, and we didn't even get to a lot of what I had hoped we would because um, he was so good in talking about youth sports. Uh, he's a, a youth coach and runs a baseball training academy. But we talked about things like the specialized young. Um, there's a lot of people that ta- are talking now about do you just you know, you got kids that are just doing one sport really really young and, and um, Michaela has some great insight on that and just some of the keys of becoming a better youth athlete and and the role that parents play both positive and negative in that process so we ended up cutting this one off and we'll be recording a part two in a couple of weeks with Michaela because there's so much more to get to so if you are a parent if your kids play sports if you've ever wanted to take a look inside what it really does look like for somebody who eventually made it to the professional stage this is a great interview and and I actually in particular found that pretty fascinating because I think a lot of people think um, maybe just for a moment, you know, is my kid good enough, you know, to, because a lot of the kids are, I still, when I get kids that are early teens and I say, what do you want to do when you grow up? I mean, there's a lot of them that still say, you know, play pro basketball, pro baseball, pro soccer, that sort of thing. And you don't want to just tell them, hey, yeah, you know, the percentages aren't very good on that, right? Um, Again, not wanting to kind of crush their dreams, but, but I think the interesting part was just to take a look in uh, what growing up looked like for a guy who eventually then made it to play professional baseball. Um, and then he tells a thing. I want you to pay attention for the word myelin. Uh, I'm telling you, he, he gives some, some uh, information there that I think is really going to help help you have some tools to talk to your kids about their emotions and that sort of thing in sports. So that's Mylan. So I hope you enjoy part one of my interview with Michaela Olson, former pro baseball player, currently a youth high school and college baseball coach, and he's the trainer and co-owner of Golden Spikes Baseball Academy, which you can find at goldenspikesbaseball.net. So without any further ado, and as always, a special thanks to Aurora Florence and her song, It's Wonderful, that ends each and every podcast. Um, Let's get to my interview with Michaela. Um, that just talked about that they went to a World Series, and that was with you guys, right? Like, what, what, what was a was it a Junior World Series, or, or what did did you guys just win something? We went to a uh, the USSA Demarini Elite World Series, which is like the biggest uh, junior uh, youth tournament in the country. Wow, what what age group was that? Uh, they spanned from nine all the way to fourteen. We took our twelve year old team. Oh, okay, we took third place. Third place. Yeah. Okay, and so like, how many teams are there? Um, 
40 in our age group, but wow. we're talking about teams from Oklahoma, Texas, Arizona, Florida, Hawaii, California, wow. okay. New York. I mean, they're from all over. You, so you basically have to you have to get a bid to get there. You got to win some sort of a major tournament. Okay. So taking third, were you guys? I mean, was it close? Did you guys have some game where you you know you could have advanced to the, the the championship or anything well, like that? We hit a we hit a wall. We hit a buzz saw that the best team in the country, like the hands down best team in the country, beat us seven to three oh. in the semifinal game. Okay. And they've won that tournament three years in a row down. They have. A team by the name of Wilson MVP from Southern California. So is this like, and what age group was this again? Uh, this was 12. This so, summer was 12. We went last year and took fifth. Okay. So, but I mean, is this when you say a buzzsaw? Is this the stuff where you got the kids and they've they got beards already and they're, you know, that kind of thing yeah. at 12? I mean, do yeah. you run into that? Oh, yeah. Right? So this specific uh, team, um, they have a lot of Hispanic players and Hispanic players are notoriously developed early. Ah, gotcha. Okay. So, um, you know, a lot of those kids, and that's not a racist statement, right, that's right. just a fact, yeah, yeah. a lot of these kids are bigger, they have mustaches, they, uh, <laughs> they hit the ball a lot farther, throw the ball a lot harder. Yeah. Uh, so are your kids intimidated? And by the way, I, uh, you know, I've, I've already led up, I, I, I introduced you in my introdu- uh, my intro piece, but yeah. I, you know, I got Michaela Olson here, and you yep. go by Kella, right? That's fine. Yep. Go, okay. Mm-hmm. So I got Kella, and I can't wait to hear her story. Kella is the first... Um, I've always wanted to talk to a professional athlete because there is so much of a mental game going on there. And in my practice, I'm talking about all these mindfulness and, and the relationship with your thoughts. And But I've always thought, man, to be a professional athlete, that's a whole different level. So I am just, I am giddy. Um, so we're going to talk baseball. We're going to talk like the mental aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But so to finish this kind of thought though, mm-hmm. when your kids, your team, when you guys see these you know, these giants coming at, I mean, are they intimidated? Is Do you have to do some work in the dugout of saying, hey, uh, I don't know. What are the good cliches you hear in a nice Disney movie, right? The 90 feet between you know, the balls, the same size or all that stuff. Yeah. You're not playing the opponent. You're playing the game. There you go. Okay. Yeah, you're, it's a nameless, faceless opponent. It's all good in theory. But when you see another kid throwing 75 miles an hour at 12 years old, of course, yeah. there's going to be some sort of a, an intimidation factor there. Maybe yeah. not intimidation. Maybe just it gets your, it gets your, you know, it gets your head going a little yeah. bit as yeah. far as, uh, oh man, we don't face this that often, but. Um, <clears throat> intimidated? I don't. I don't think that's the word because our guys actually um, a little humble brag here. We've kind of, I think we've kind of been through the ringer. I mean, we face the best, including this team. Uh-huh. Um, and so we feel like you know it, it's just another game for yeah. us. Yeah. Um, when it comes to big tournaments like that, though, in you know in a in a World Series setting or in a you know a national tournament like that. Kids get a little more focused. Okay. Um, you kind of go into that tournament knowing, like, there's not going to be a cakewalk. Okay. Every team you face is going to be like that. So over the course of the, you know, the course of the week, that specific tournament was 11 days. Oh, wow. It's a grind. And the whole time you're, you're there, you're thinking the same thing. Oh, my gosh. Look at this guy. Oh, yeah, my yeah. gosh. This guy's, you know, thir- or 11. And he hits the ball as far as a 13-year-old. Or, yeah. But a lot of that becomes almost like this urban legend too, right? I know my son's a, a big basketball player, and we're running into eighth grade, and uh, you know they got a guy who's six five and he dunks, right? And then you see him, and the guy's gangly and maybe not so coordinated. And yes. but leading up to that, it's like, oh man, you know, I don't want to get dunked on. I'm like, we have never seen him play, you oh, know. Yeah. So very, right, very much so. And then you you watch him play, and you realize, yeah, they're twelve two. Exactly, they right? Cares. Yeah. They don't always throw strikes. Except in that one World Series where the kid was like fifteen. What, what, Danny Almonte, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I still remember that. I always I love. 
that. But and I could even take this interview in a completely different direction because right. that um, how do you prepare kids? And then I think about as having coached just you know little league, and you've always got half of the kids that are and I don't even want to be there. But I mean, you're you're getting kids that are they are focused. They want to be there, you know. But before we can go to that, tell me about your background. And and I want to say um, so. Kella is the co-owner of the Golden Spikes Baseball Academy. So you guys coach and train and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But what I loved is on your um, website, you got right on here. You know <clears throat> that you want to teach people the mental aspect of the game as well. And you talk about how it's critical that um, players are both physically and mentally prepared for the challenges they will face. So that's what drew me. You know, uh, we have some mutual friends. I and you know, and always when you hear that somebody played in the the big leagues, you know, it's kind of fun to, you know, to kind of chat with somebody like that. But I was drawn to those things, the mental aspect of sports. So give me your background. When did you start playing? Uh, I started playing at four years old. Okay. It was my first my first time playing. My brother, who was four, uh, 13 at the time, was one of our coaches. So was my dad. Um, but, uh, yeah, I started playing at four years old. Were you like, T-ball or were you was there a coach pitch at that day or what? T-ball. Okay. Yeah, Do you have any memories of that? T-ball. Just I mean, blips yeah. here and there. I know we were the Dodgers, okay. and I know there was no doubles allowed. Oh, really? Well, so, okay, why was that? Uh, because if you hit the ball, nobody's going to be able to make it okay. anyway. So uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's just going to throw them over the heads. And, first. Um, okay, always. Yeah, right? always. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and when do you remember kind of thinking, okay, I, I really like this? I mean, I don't, I don't know if there was an exact moment where I could say I really like this. Um, I always played baseball. I always played sports. I come from a huge sports background. Uh-huh. Um, I have I'm the youngest of three boys. Okay. So my two oldest brothers played football and baseball all the way until high school. Then they focused on football and played college football at Southern Utah University. Oh wow! Okay. The brother above me played football and baseball all the way through high school. Um, he actually had a verbal <clears throat> commitment to LSU to play football, and wow. then. At the last second, ended up backing out and going to Cal State Fullerton to play baseball, oh. which is a powerhouse. Yeah. They actually, so that guy, D.C., he went three years of the College World Series, and in his senior year, they won it. Wow. He got a national title, so. Oh, I had no idea. Okay. Yeah. Needless to say, I've been around baseball my entire life. Yeah. Um, I can say, though, around that time when I was watching him at Fullerton was around the time when I really kind of started to feel that desire, really started to, like, I loved that when I was going to the games, Fullerton games. Yeah. How old were you then? Um, 10, 11, 12, 13. Oh, wow. So those four right. years. So that's I mean, a pretty impressionable age, right? Very much so. Yeah. So growing up, um, watching those guys, I mean, Augie Garrido, the best coach in, in, in history, college baseball coach in history, was their head coach. Wow. And so I kind of had, you know, following that and just watching baseball, I had a a deep knowledge of the game more so than a lot of people. Gotcha. Even at a young age, you Even felt like at you a did. young age okay. because I was around it so much. Yeah. I was just immersed in it. We went to games all the time. Yeah. We watched baseball all the time. Um, I was playing baseball all the time. Um, so, you know, following that, <clears throat> it, you know, talking with my friends and talking baseball with my friends, I always knew like around that time, uh, I kind of think no. I know a little bit more about this stuff. Did you? Okay. Yeah. Than you do. Yeah. Um, just in the in the uh, the strategic part of it. Yeah. And um, knowing when to bunt, knowing who's going to bunt. 
So were you? Were, but you were good as well, obviously, right? Yeah. Okay, because I'm, I'm dying to get to that part too, and I know I'm jumping ahead, but uh, I know a lot of people that I, I have talked to friends that end up coaching, and they talk about, hey, maybe the game didn't come as easy to me, so I had to focus more on the skills piece. Uh-huh. But you felt like you kind of had the knowledge, and then and then you were you were pretty successful as a player as well. I was. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, you know. Growing up, we practiced all the time. Every Saturday and Sunday morning, we were hitting, yeah. unless we had a football game. Okay. Um, I would go out and shag for my brother, who was hitting baseballs. And so, I it just, it's like I didn't have a choice. Okay. You know what I mean? I was yeah. always shagging for him. Um, Do you remember, like, just like, man, everybody's hitting him over your head, and you're oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. All the time. <laughs> I mean, we'd be, out, we'd be out there Sunday morning, Saturday and Sunday mornings for hours, and I'd uh-huh. be like, oh, I can't catch that ball. I'm dying. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, I'm yeah. the ball too far. It was always a promise that, okay, Kello will get to hit at some point. Yeah. So okay. I was always the last one to hit. Okay. And uh, brother threw BP. Dad was behind the cage, you know, telling me, you know, do this, leave with your hands, throw your hips, well, stay inside the ball. Okay, yeah. we're going to do a round going to right field. Wow. We're going to do a round going to left field. Okay, this round is, you know, hit the ball, in the, hit the ball up the middle, hit the ball on the ground, whatever wow. it is. So, um, you know, I was kind of taking college baseball practices at, at nine? 9, 10, 11, yeah, 12, yeah. 13, 14, 15. Do you ever remember, did you ever have a time where you thought, I don't want to do this? Or was that even, or was it just that it was just what you were doing? Yeah, a lot of Saturday mornings. Okay. Going <laughs> <up>. <laughs> you know, yeah. I wanted to be out playing with my friends. And like I said, I didn't have a choice. Now, of course, um, going into the games and going to my own baseball practices and, <clears throat> you know, being one of the better players on the team, a lot of times the best player on the team, um, obviously I was thankful and yeah, and, and you recognize that point, yeah, 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 that's when it became okay, you know, and so I was always glad I put in the time. Yeah, so where'd you go to high school? So I went to Yosemite High School. Oh wow, small town in Oakhurst, which is about fifty miles north of Fresno. Okay, twenty miles from the south gate of Yosemite. So I come from a small town. Yeah. So did you spend a lot of time in the park? I mean, was that where somewhere you would go a lot or? Uh, we had a batting cage in the back okay. yard okay. at, uh, at our house in Oakhurst. So, <clears throat> I mean, hitting was 20 feet away. Okay. And so, you know, a lot of times it was come home, you know, come home from football practice or, or whatever, hit off the tee. Um, we had weights in the, in the, in the, uh, garage. Yeah. So it was hitting off, you know, hitting off the tee for 30 minutes and then, you know, it was, you got to get your workout in. This is funny because I mean, and you know, and I know that there will be people who will have their own opinions or, you know, uh-huh. is it too much? Is it not? I mean, for you, it was just kind of, that's what you did, right? That's what we did. But, but I think in the fact you, you played professional sports, I think a lot of people want to think that their kids have the talent or they're good or, and then, and I think, uh, you know, then when the, these later years come in and are they putting in the work? I mean, you really, you're, you're kind of that example. I mean, I'm hearing now it was, oh, you were doing a ton of work. So I mean, if the other kids yeah. are playing video games or watching, you know, just TV, mm-hmm. you're probably, you literally are in the cage. If give, give an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old a choice between his iPad or take swings off the tee, he's going to go iPad right. 100 out of 100 times. Maybe yeah. I shouldn't say that. 98 out of 100. There's two exceptions. Okay. Um, but <clears throat> for me, so so kind of going off a little tangent here, yeah. there's, a, there's a hot button topic called burnout. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. Well, you know, does he get? Does a kid get burned out? Does he do too much? Yeah. At what point is too much too much? Um, I don't know what the answer to that is, but I can tell you this: if the kid's a stud, he's the best player on the team. Uh-huh. I've never seen the best player on the team get burned out. Okay. And he, the best player on the team is always the kid that puts in the most work. Gotcha. It's a little correlation there. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you know, 
is there, do you, does everybody get tired at one point? Of course. Yeah. You know, is there a point where too much is too much? Sure. Yeah. You know, there's always a point where too much is too much, but I think everybody has their different threshold yeah. in that regard. And, um, you know, at a young age, it was just kind of what we did. Baseball was my thing. Yeah. You know, I had older brothers that were all in sports. I love to play baseball. I love to play football. Uh-huh. I love to play basketball. And I did all three until high school. And then I focused on football and baseball. But, uh, you, you know, training was just part of the deal. So, and that, yeah. And, and, the, and so it's funny because the, the therapist in me sits mm-hmm. with enough teenagers where they feel like they're being pushed in ways they don't want to go. Right. But then if I do my own, you know, I was the same. I loved sports. That was yeah. just it. I never felt like I had to. But I think that it, you know, sometimes when I when I step back and say, okay, but was I doing that because I wanted my parents to think that's awesome? Maybe. Right. But, I mean, at the time, I just thought it was it was fun, you know. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, the, the burnout. So, yeah, let's let's go off on a little tangent here. Um the the I had asked you earlier if you have an opinion on the one sport athlete because I do see a lot going around articles on Facebook or you know my, my son loves basketball and uh, I've got a friend who his son loves baseball and you know we both kind of have these debates of when is too young to focus and and when do you say no 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 you have to do these other things or you you know I don't know what are your thoughts because you work with kids all day every day right yes okay um, my personal opinion I think kids should should play multiple sports okay. Um, what that sport is, I don't know, but uh, different movement patterns, different sports have different movement patterns, mm. uh, different agility, you use different muscles. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, like I was saying earlier, if there was a if there was a year when I say that would be a time to focus on one sport, it would probably be between your sophomore and junior year of high okay. school. Okay. And the reason I say that is because you go from JV to varsity sports at that point in varsity sports in high school typically not all the time but yeah. typically uh is when it starts to get serious i would say stuff gets real right right yeah and you're talking about playoffs and championships and scholarships and yeah you know fill in the blank it's a tough place to be though right because if you are that even if you're kind of uh not the best but you're kind of you know toward the upper um talent of a team your chances of playing college aren't necessarily that good right mm-hmm. So I think that at times people want to say, well, I just want to play everything. I want, that's why I want that to be my high school experience. But if they aren't these days specializing, then are they even going to make the team? Or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking with kids who, you know, they're telling me. But then again, maybe I'm just getting the excuses. But I, I wasn't doing conditioning throughout the summer because I was playing this other sport. So then I get cut or whatever it is. Do you see some of that? Yeah. Let's just say this. The best player on the team is not getting cut. Whether right. Whether okay. up to fall practice or not. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah. That's almost, I mean, that is 100% across the board in my experience. Like, I've seen kids that are really good at football and really good at baseball, and, uh-huh. you know, the the they're playing baseball and focusing on baseball and playing a ton of tournaments in the spring, uh-huh. and the football coach is, you know, disappointed that they're not at spring practice, but when football season Oh, you can't wait down, to get them, right? Of course, he's the quarterback. Right. So he's the yeah, yeah, exactly. Receiver, you know yeah, what I mean? So yeah. I don't know if there's a lot of uh, retribution or, or, yeah. or uh, uh, whatever you want to say, you know. Yeah. It, uh, against the kid, but uh, as far as uh, the multiple sports now, I think the the difficult part is is these coaches try and pull it. They pull at the kid, yeah, uh, you know more right this day and age. The football coach, I mean, they're pulling at the, the football player a lot. We're doing spring practice, right? We have weightlifting at six in the morning, and, and you know, it, it, most of the time it's for good reason. Sure, you know, it's for a good cause. They of course they want to win. They yeah. want to get better. But I don't know if there's, you know, a point where you got to say, do your thing, mm. and here's your off-season workout, and yeah. 
we do our spring practice, you know, and, and if you can versus make, this, yeah, this feeling of if you don't, you know, you're in trouble, right? right? If you don't, there's going to be, you yeah, know, you know. Well, you always okay. So uh, just had me thinking too. So you, you, co-owner of Spikes Baseball Academy, mm-hmm. the travel ball team, right? So right. in our area, California, especially, uh, boy, there's a lot of travel ball. And I mm-hmm. think about this, uh, my son in basketball. There's AAU, and so you do have kids that are multiple travel ball teams, and mm-hmm. that is year round, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, in that scenario, I think at times it's almost hard to to not. I don't know, not be focused on one sport because of those demands of the travel ball teams. And I mean, do, do you see that often? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same kind of the same thing as, as the high school situation. Okay. You got, uh, kids that play, you know, different, different travel ball teams. They're playing all the time. They're playing every weekend. Now oh, you got to play for me. This is my team. Yeah. And they're guests playing for that team. And then when do you fit in soccer and when right. do you fit in basketball? Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of, coaches will say you know you're gonna fall behind you're gonna fall behind you're gonna fall wow. behind i don't believe in that don't you know, okay. I, I don't i don't i don't think a kid's gonna fall behind because he goes to play soccer for a season yeah. or uh, or basketball for a season yeah um if you take a year off from baseball you're gonna be behind okay but there's some core factors to baseball specifically that um if you keep working on them even during your soccer season that you're not gonna fall behind hitting hit the ball as far as you can pitching throw the ball as hard as you can and throw strikes okay fielding at some point you got to get some work in on your own time um but if you get consistent work uh-huh. you're not gonna fall behind. you'll be all right you're gonna be all right okay take me back to your so now you're let's go back to high school so you're at a small town but are you starting to get noticed i mean is that you know when you're playing high school ball <clears throat> i did i had a few uh a few offers from from d2 and d3 uh colleges uh-huh uh, I had some letters from some Division One colleges, no Division One offers. Okay. So, which what, is, what was that whole process like? I mean, were you were you pretty excited about it, or were you disappointed that there weren't the teams you wanted, or the co- colleges you wanted, or were you starting to think about can I can I get drafted out of high school, or you know what was that like? Uh, yeah, uh, I talked to a couple of scouts out of high school. Um, nothing that I ever felt was going to be serious. None of them ever said they're going to draft me. So, okay. I don't think the MLB draft was really a factor, yeah. you know, mentally in college. Um, getting letters and, and recognition in high school um, was always, you know, something that, that excites you. Yeah. Um, it, it was different back then because we didn't play a whole lot of showcase type stuff. Okay. So you're basically going off what, you know, your your high school coach sends out a letter. He sends wow. out a phone call. He says, hey, we're going to be at this school at this time. Come watch this kid. Okay. There weren't really many really big showcase opportunities i think back then we had scout ball um and you had you know area code games and so those were the only two the only two real big showcases you had and so and did those a ton of scouts would be there or would you feel, and then what's that pressure like uh area code games was i didn't ever play area code games i played scout ball mm-hmm. um there would be a few Okay. Um, but not like it is now. Well, okay. So talk about that. So, you know, and I'm thinking about a friend of mine who, um, I think in his freshman, his son, when his son was a freshman, he's already kind of feeling this pressure to, to buy like a package where somebody's what recording him or going to get what, what, you know, what is out there and, and what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you, do people need to start looking at that early? Um, it's never too early to start looking at that. Okay. I will say that okay. it's never too early. And I, I mean, I coach an 11 year old team and I tell our parents, uh, it's never too early to start thinking about it. Yeah. There's not going to be any scouts in our stands. But sure. if you have a goal and you have a target and you want to play college baseball, it's never too early to think about it. Okay. You know, again, going back to you don't have to limit yourself to just doing yeah. baseball 24-7. Yeah. Um, 
but if you truly want to get better, have a target, have a goal. Okay. You know, that's something that's in anything in life, yeah. right? Have a target, have a goal. Um, nowadays, there are a lot of showcases. There's a lot that are watered down. There's there's some big specific ones that, mm. uh, like USA Baseball runs, they have, a, you know, they get a lot of guys, um, they get a lot of scouts. And the showcases are just where people go to these tournaments that are, uh, what, do you, do you pay to get in or do, do you take your, is it an all-star kind of a situation or are you taking a whole team there or what's the showcase? Usually you're taking a whole team. Okay. Um, you, you, you make your own team uh-huh. and there's an entry charge for your team gotcha. to get in. Okay. Um, the biggest of the biggest, you have to get invited uh, okay. or you have to win some sort of qualifier. Yeah. Um, but like the area code games, which is, um, that's the best of the best. That's the biggest showcase around. Uh-huh. Um, that's where a lot of the, most of the college scouts, all the pro scouts are going to be at that. Wow. One. Um, they hold once a year, uh, down in Southern California, but that's an individual, that's an all, all-star type deal. Okay. You have to get invited by your local scout, okay. a local scout to, to go to that. Do you ever see? Uh, so what are? And I'm thinking now through you know one of my one of my son's friends I think play, you know plays with you and he's a good pitcher and you know and and the kids are already saying oh he's already getting you know scouted. I mean is that the case or are we talking eighth grade that kind of thing or is that not really? Uh yeah, you can be out there in eighth grade. Eighth grade is kind of the cream of the crop. I mean you're talking about the elite of the elite of the elite. Usually by about sophomore year. Okay. If you're a stud, um, yeah. if you're throwing 85. If you're hitting the ball, if your exit speed's above 90 okay. um, as a hitter, wow. um, or if you shine at a big showcase, uh-huh. around that age is when you'll usually start to get recognition. Okay. Eighth grade is, we're talking about, you know, the top of the top. Yeah. And I've seen kids that, that uh, have actually committed at eighth grade. Have you really? That's uh, what I was wondering, really. Yeah, one, yeah. he's, uh, <laughs> he's uh, going to possibly be the Golden Spikes winner, the the best college player this year. He's in the Golden Spikes watch for college baseball this year. Okay. Um, but there's another kid that used to play for us, um, a right-handed pitcher that throws. He's been clocked at 85 last year as an eighth grader. He's as an eighth he's grader. He's maps. Wow. He's getting recruited by <laughs> almost every team on the West Coast. That's incredible. Now he's a freshman. Okay. But just incredible. All right. I, I could talk forever. We're going to run out of time, right? Okay. So take me to, so you get recruited. You go to where? Where do you go first? Uh, I go to Santa Ana College. Okay, so you go to, uh, is that a JC? A JC. Okay, Two-year nice. college yeah. um, down in Orange County. Yeah. Uh, the Orange Empire Conference, and that's, I mean, the best conference uh, junior college-wise in California. Okay. <clears throat> and so I'm playing against studs. I remember the first meeting we we had, there was about 110 guys there. Uh-huh. I'm a you know, small-town kid from Yosemite High School. You got kids down there from... Wow modern day and servite and all these huge uh huge uh, southern california high schools down there and you know there's a handful of guys that got drafted last year and there's a handful of guys that turned down division one scholarships wow and there's four or five guys that were at division one schools last year and then they bounced back okay and so um you know being that my brother had lived down south in orange county at the time he kind of guided me towards that and, and said, hey, you know, down south is where you want to be. This gotcha. is where the best baseball players play. Um, I didn't know how competitive it was going to be because I didn't know anything about Southern California Junior College Baseball. But it's a big deal. But it's a big deal. Okay. And so I got there and was a little intimidated at first. Um, 
But little by little, you know, I had to compete my butt off. I had to switch positions. I was always a first baseman in high school or pitcher and had to move to the outfield. Wow. But I could always hit. Okay. And so that's kind of what got me in the lineup. So now, yeah. And so in those moments when you're intimidated, I mean, do you have, did you have specific things that you did to try to keep you focused at that time? Or, I mean, because I think a lot of people, they, they just, they'll, they'll fold, right? Yeah, pretend like you don't feel it. Gotcha. You okay. feel it, but yeah. don't let them see you sweat. Okay. You know what I mean? So that's when all that training from uh-huh. all, it all comes back to you at that point? Uh-huh. Okay. You know, what's the old saying? Fake it till you make yep. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but <clears throat> again, you know, I could always hit. That was a big piece of, you know, how I got so far in baseball is, is I could always hit and I could always hit fastballs. Okay. And so I was never intimidated by guys that threw hard. Okay. That's one thing I remember. If you had a good change up or a good curveball and you knew how to mix up your pitches and throw any pitch in any count, you gave me fits. Yeah. But uh, I was a switch hitter. So, you know, I could face righties, you know, hit left-handed facing righties, hit left, right-handed facing lefties. But I could always hit fastballs. Okay. And so I think that, you know, early on in that first year at Santa Ana, um, uh, our coach, Don Snedden, actually, you know, obviously saw something there because fastballs, I'd, I'd eat them up. Okay. And so that was kind of my biggest thing is I could hit, I could hit fastballs. And um, so do you, in that freshman year, do you kind of rise to the top pretty quick? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it took me a little time. Uh, I think in the fall, I was kind of fighting for a position while well, I was definitely fighting for a position and and you know they didn't know where I was going to play uh, our first baseman was a sophomore and he's a returning all-american oh gosh okay and so around I don't know November late November early December uh our outfield coach approached me and said yeah you ever play outfield I didn't but I said yes okay okay you know what do you of course yeah, yeah. You, you need a left fielder I'm there man yeah and so I started taking fly balls in the outfield and shagging uh-huh. during batting practice. And then you're praising your brother for having you shag every Saturday and Sunday morning. Yeah, right? okay. of course. Yeah, of okay. course. So, you know, the first I remember the first few fly balls, I was like, oh, my goodness, what did I do? Uh-huh. I'm going to make myself look like a fool. Yeah. But it, like anything else, it came natural. It started, you know, it came natural after practice. Mm-hmm. And um, you just got to. You gotta fake it. You See, but I love confident. that, right? Yeah, the confident, right? Even, even if you're not feeling it on the inside, you're gonna project this confidence. I mean, I'm kind of hearing that's a theme for wow. for Michaela, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You have to. Where I course. think a lot of people go, okay, no, I can't. I didn't sign up for this. I, I couldn't uh-huh. do that. Yeah. Yeah. Just 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 have faith that if you keep going at it, you mm. keep going at it, you keep going at it, you keep going at it, that you'll get better at it. You'll okay. figure it out. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of always one thing that I've always, you know, been competitive in that way is like. It, just give it some time. You'll figure it out. Just be a robot when it comes to your emotions and coming from, you know, that's kind of how my dad always taught me when it when the times were tough or, or my brother watching him growing yeah. up playing baseball. You know, if he struck out, I mean, the guy wouldn't, he wouldn't even quiver a lip. He wouldn't say anything. Like, he was just a <laughs> robot, right? Okay. It, it, he didn't get angry. And so, and not saying that it's not good to show emotion. Sure. It's always good to get get yeah. your emotions out yeah. but not the bad ones okay. only the good ones yeah and there's a thing called myelination myelination okay have you ever heard of that no no what is that so um, myelination is uh, well there's a substance in your body called myelin okay and <clears throat> this is and I just learned this like a year ago okay but realize, going back realizing that this helped me growing up my brother always used to tell me to, you know when, when 
when you strike out, don't do anything. Don't show emotion. Don't let that picture get in your head. Mm. Then people know they're in your head. But what myelination is, is every time you take a rep um, you and you add emotion to it, uh, your body releases this substance called myelin. Oh, wow. And what myelin does is it elevates that rep. It escalates that rep. We'll call it times 10. I okay. don't know what the number is. I don't know if anyone knows what the number is, but... Anytime you show emotion to a rep or a swing or whatever, um, or strikeout or a double, you add emotion to it, you elevate it, you multiply it. Again, time, we'll say times 10. So let's say you take a good swing, you're taking batting practice, you take a good swing, you hit one hard, you hit it in the uh, gap, you want to give a little yes, yeah, a fist pump, a head nod, just acknowledge it. Mm. You know, Even in your head, if you're just going, nice swing. Okay. Self-talk. Nice swing, Kella. Right there. Stay right okay, there. Okay, I love that. Positive affirmation. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the same thing goes yeah. for negative emotion, right? Your body doesn't, or the myelination, the myelin doesn't know positive or negative. So let's say you strike out, you go back in the dugout, you throw your helmet, or you you know hit the ball off the end of the bat in batting practice and you didn't like your swing. Dang it. And you beat yourself up. Yeah. I see a lot of that, with, especially with kids, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. You just multiplied that times ten. So you took wow. one good swing and you made it ten. Okay. If you hit a good one and you acknowledge it, fist pump, dab, Superman, whatever you want <laughs> okay. to call it, right? Whatever I hope we saw the dab, right? Whatever kids do <laughs> these right. days, yeah. um, whatever you want to do, whatever your thing is, however you grew up. But same thing, you know. If you get down on yourself on a bad swing, mm. then uh, you're gonna multiply that. Okay. So going back to you know growing up. One thing I'm thankful for my brother and my dad, my brothers and my dad, they always told me, don't let them see you sweat, man. Wow. Don't let them see you sweat. Didn't always work. Yeah, sure, right? <laughs> and that's okay. But And there was periods of my life, especially, you know, I think 14, 15 years old, I threw my batting gloves. Okay. It was almost like an embarrassment yeah. to my dad. He used to tell me, don't do that, man. Don't yeah. do that. You're making yourself look stupid. Yeah, yeah. But I learned fast. Okay. I love that, though. And you and I have had some uh, talk kind of off the grid here on um, some mindfulness and Mm -hmm. trying to uh, stay present and that sort of thing. And and so I'm a big fan of – there's a couple of apps, but there's one that um, is supposedly – it's the coach. I forget his name, but he had worked with Jordan and Kobe and all these other guys, and they developed an app with the Twitter guys called Lucid. Um, yeah, I love this headspace. I've talked about it a million times wow. on, on my podcast, but Lucid, uh, he always said this thing where apparently, you know, with Kobe Bryant, I think it plays into what you're talking about there, where when he, when he lets go of a shot, if he misses a shot, it, it, no emotion. Mm-hmm. I mean, so he, and they talked about in that split second where somebody else is going, dang it, you know, he's like, that's the time where now Kobe's already reacted. Mm-hmm. You know, he's already, he's already followed, you know, followed up on a, on a miss or he's already getting back in transition or, right. and, and just that over and over, uh-huh. you know, is going to kind of put him in a better spot to succeed. I mean, so yeah, I dig that. Yeah, that's, that's but okay, thing. that's a thing. It's a thing, right? I like it. Myelination, you know. Myelination. So it did make me laugh though, because uh, I will say that the, the joke I always have though is when you, by the time you get up to the pros, you know, and and you hear a pro athlete interviewed about a game, I mean, uh-huh. you can write the script, right? You yeah. know, how things go out. Well, we we tried our best. We're going to hang in there. We're going to play our game. Just you know. hoping the team wins. Exactly right, and all that <laughs> stuff. And I was like, okay, now I now I'm hearing this. You know, Michaela, he he grows up. He basically it's you have to kind of learn to to get into that no emotion mode. Yeah. to kind of, you know, uh, not worry about the bad or yeah. whatever. And, and now here it translates into some of these interviews. Yeah, you know? I definitely think it's taught. I yeah. don't think that comes natural to anybody. Emotion yeah, doesn't yeah. Come, you know, emotion doesn't come natural to anybody. But, or, I mean, emotion comes natural yeah. to everybody. But learning how to hide the bad stuff, yeah. you know, is is 
is doesn't it's not easy to do. Sure, yeah. I, I tell you, we're going to have to do a two parter. We still got like ten or fifteen minutes, and I still okay. want to. I want to hear about your life in the minors. I want to hear about. So you you went from junior college and you recruited to where? Um, well, kind of uh, uh, Sac State. Sac State. Okay. Yep. All right. Yep. Sac State. So uh, and now at that point, when you when you go from junior college to you know to Sac State, are you starting to think, all right, I might have a chance here, or are you still just thinking, I'm gonna, I got a way to get my college paid for? Uh, more of the second one. Okay, it my was. College play, paid for. I think at that time, um, it was more like one step at a time. Okay. I wasn't thinking about the draft. Again, my sophomore year in college, uh, I didn't get a lot of you know attention from MLB scouts. Mm-hmm. So my thing was first things first. And you know I wanted to play Division One baseball. That was always my goal. Okay. And so um, I hit a big home run in a playoff game. I hit a huge home run in a playoff what was game. It, it was... Uh, Fastball, 3-1 fastball. I turned on it. I probably hit it, I don't know, we're going to call it 450 feet. Okay. Then more like 380. <laughs> gets further yeah, every year, right? That's right, yeah. Uh, but it was in a big situation. It was in the eighth inning. We were down one. I hit a three-run homer. And uh, Coach Smith at Sac State was uh, there watching me and one of our pitchers. And he said he only had two scholarships left. And so uh, I hit that home run, and I actually hit it. on. I remember him telling me it was on the way out of the – out of the stadium because they were playing in Irvine that day at UC Irvine. And so he had to go to his game uh-huh. and he saw me hit the home run. And he literally called my cell phone before our game was even done. Wow. He was calling me on his way to Irvine and said, hey, I want you to come out to Irvine so we can talk before okay. our game. They had a night game. And I uh, went down there with my dad and he wrote on a card. He said, uh, books tuition, books tuition, two hundred fifty living, basically a, wow. a full ride. That's awesome. He goes, I have a big scholarship left, and I'd love you to have it. Uh-huh. Like I'm in. Wow, <laughs> I'll be there next Were year. You just man. like floating at that point. Oh, the most. Yeah, the most, and it just happened so fast. And a lot of the times, that's kind of the way it happens. It's like I didn't see it coming. Like yeah. we had talked it prior. I was talking to Reno at the time. And I was talking to UNLV at the time. Wow. Um, but then he just gave me this unbelievable offer. So I was like, Yep. Okay. Take it. Yeah. And then was that, so then you're there two more years, Sac State two years? I was actually only there for one. Oh, okay. I was there um, and had an incredible junior season. Did you? Okay. And like, what, uh, What's incredible? That high average, power, what? What were you doing? Everything? All of it. Yeah. I hit 404. Wow. Um, I hit 16 home runs and 68 RBIs. And uh, so <clears throat> another humble brag, I'm the only Division One player at Sac State to hit 400. Really? Uh-huh. Okay, that's huge. Yeah. Right? And so... It, I mean, I, I could talk to you for days about that. I mean, you're going yeah. down to the end of the season. I mean, are you were you were you getting up to 400 or were you trying to maintain 400? What, you know, what was that like? So about halfway through... Well, I shouldn't say that. About two th- two-thirds of the way through the year, I was hitting 435. I remember uh, I was on fire. Okay. I mean, when I say on fire, like every, every pitch that I guessed, I guessed right. Yeah. Like I was so locked in, I remember thinking, you know... I, I'm so focused. I can see, you know, the way he pitches different guys and uh, guys ahead of me and could just have a good approach and, and, and like, you know, okay, fastball away. We're looking fastball away right here. I'm going to go that way with it. I'm and you would go and it was there. And, and just it was there. And not to mention I was getting some balls to fall that I wouldn't hit hard. So there I was wow. getting a little luck factor with that okay. too. Yeah. And then at one point I remember about three, I went through a three-week stretch where I'd hit line drives right at guys, so I went from like 435 down to 398, oh, I think. Gosh. At, and, and then were you starting to feel it at that of point? Course, yeah. Of course, because uh, you know, you know, there was some local the school paper, the SAC B had some you know coverage on it. 
but they were talking about 400 and Man. you know me and another guy Jesse Schmidt were chasing 400 and we were both having an incredible year and uh, he ended up falling down to like 385 at the end of the year but I had a good weekend uh-huh. and I went from 398 <laughs> to like 408 oh gosh had an incredible weekend and then the last I remember going into the last game of the year uh, a buddy of mine told me all you got to do is not go for five and you'll hit 400 today. I was oh like, oh, gosh. don't tell me that. Oh. Okay. <laughs> don't so, tell me that. So, first at bat, what happens? First at bat, I get a base hit off the middle. Oh, okay. Then so, you're you're in. I'm in. So now it was Unless like, the game goes extra innings or something like that. I can't go one for eight. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I got a base hit up the middle. I had a walk in my second at bat and I was like, I'm home. Oh, I did feel it. good, right? Mm-hmm. I hit 404. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, incredible. so then at that point then, so only one year there. So now are the scouts sniffing around? Yeah, so about <clears throat> halfway through that year, you know, I was having a really good year. They started contacting me and just basically kept in touch. And, um, you know, I started to hit big home runs i remember in big situations but deep home runs uh towards the middle end of that that year i just like i said i was just very yeah focused i kind of knew when to let it rip and there's a point there where i you know there's not a lot of times where you feel like you can try to hit a home run and hit a home run but there were some moments there where i did okay um yeah, usually when you're trying is when you're going down, right? Yeah, yeah. but there, I remember I hit one against University of Arizona on top of the parking structure at Sac State. <laughs> and we were playing University of Arizona, and our ace pitcher, our best pitcher, was there. Um, he was on the mound that day, so that a lot of the scouts were watching him too. And that's kind of where I got my recognition. Gotcha. That was the, kind of the first point. Like I said, it happens fast. It was just like, bang. So take Contacts me, yeah. Or, take me to the. So you're leading up to a draft, right? What? <laughs> what I mean, how do you? Because you have to. How does that work? Would you have to commit to the draft? And then you know, I, I know how it works with college basketball. And you, if you get an agent, you can't go back. Or is it that similar thing in baseball? Uh, it's different in baseball. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so football and baseball, you got to have to kind of, you know, throw you, you know, call out your you're going to be pro, call out your pro status. Baseball, it's more like. You can talk to an agent. You can't sign anything. You can't have any, uh, you know, any deals, so to speak. Yeah. Write anything down on paper. But I had an advisor. He um, he was an agent, or he worked for an agency. Um, worked for an agent, but he basically kind of took me through the process and just said, you know, I've been talking to the Red Sox. I've been talking to the Marlins. I've been talking to the A's, and those were kind of the three. Th- the three teams that I talked to the most, um, the Red Sox scout, actually, I talked to a lot. So leading up to the draft, he kept telling me, you know, if you're there in the eighth, I'm taking you. If wow. In the eighth, I'm taking you. If you're in the eighth, I'm taking and you. And a baseball draft is, is what, 60 rounds? I mean, it's huge, It used huge, to be right? 60. Now it's 40. Okay. But that's a lot of rounds. So, boy, 60. eighth is significant yeah. then. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, <clears throat> now, were, you, were you already mentally spending your money as well? I mean, I'm always, yeah, I, you are coming back. I mean, because I want to hear all, I, we're yeah. not even going to get to the, sure. the minor leagues. The, I mean, where do you go in the with that mental part of, uh-huh. I'm, gonna, I'm going to be a 20-year Hall of I'm yeah. going to make millions. I mean, but anyway, so you're talking to this guy. You're thinking the Red Sox are in. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm Red Sox with my Red Sox gear in my head. Are you? I'm, okay, yeah. I'm already, all right, Fenway Park. I'm already thinking that. Oh, and you've got, I mean, who, who was on their team at that time? I mean, you're already, you're going to be best friends with who? You oh, know? yeah, they had uh, Kevin Millard, David <laughs> Ortiz, Pedro Martinez. I mean, keep yeah, going, yeah. Dave Roberts. So you really do. I mean, it starts to get real, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, <clears throat> so... Uh, was Red Sox, Red Sox, Red Sox, and I was talking to the A's. I talked to the Marlins a little bit. I went to a, a, a workout at Cal, 
um, about two weeks before the draft or three weeks before the draft with the Marlins, and they were I you know, do they they were interested, mm-hmm. and so draft day rolls around, and I had actually left because I wasn't a hundred percent sure I was going to sign. Okay, um, but I had actually left to play. <clears throat> summer league, college summer league okay. in the Northwoods League. Um, Where's that at? Uh, it's in the north, the northeast, or the Minnesota, Wisconsin. Wow. The Northwoods, I yeah, guess, yeah. Is what they call it up there. Yeah. But our team was in Duluth, Minnesota. And was that a situation where you're with a host family, or you know, or? Well, our team, some some do. Okay. Our team was on the campus of University of Minnesota Duluth. Wow. And so we stayed in the dorms. So the three weeks I played there. Um, we stayed. It was the whole team had one floor on the oh, Minnesota gosh. Duluth campus. Yeah, it was a it was a riot. I bet. Yeah. Let's just say we had some fun that way. <laughs> so that yeah. so that leads up to the draft. You're in you're in Duluth. Yeah. You know, uh, well, I was. We were actually playing on the road. We we're in Wausau, Wisconsin. Okay. Wisconsin Woodchucks. <laughs> Seems like you made that up, right? What yeah. team What team did you play for? Played for the Duluth Huskies. Duluth Huskies. I'd rather be a Husky than a Woodchuck. <clears throat> I think you'd rather be a Woodchuck if you've ever been to Duluth. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Even in the summer, man, it's not that cool. Okay. Oh, um, so that day, what time's your game? That is it at night? It's night game. Always night games, okay. except for Sunday. So minor leagues and collegiate baseball, collegiate summer league, usually the games are either six or seven p.m. Unless it's a Sunday, then it's a day game. Okay. So so you're what? You wake up. You're in so woodchuck I, country. Yeah, I wake up. We're in Wisconsin. Um, the draft starts probably about noon that day, okay. and I'm sitting there. And my cell phone is like glued to my fist. I can't imagine. I you know I knew I had, I knew I wasn't getting drafted early. But okay, but even then, are you? Is there this part of it? I don't yeah, know, man. Exactly. Right. I mean, if he's saying eighth, what if? Uh, yeah, what if somebody else? Like fifth. Right. Right. Uh, someone you know they draft other guys that they already wanted. So anyway, um, you know I got my phone in my hand all day. I remember my roommate uh, was the first baseman from Loyola Marymount, um, or my road roommate, and he was like, dude. If you hold on to it, it's not going to ring more. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, I was like, dude, just leave it alone. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that whole day was like, oh, my goodness. So we go to the park. Uh, we go to team lunch. We go to the park. And um, my our head coach, who was the first base coach for University of Arizona, says, hey, I, I understand the situation. You don't have to take pregame BP. Why don't you go hang out in the clubhouse? Okay. And that was probably the worst thing for him to say because then I was like, he should have said, dude, stop thinking about it. Just right, go right. VP. Yeah. So he's like, go wait for your call. And so I'm sitting in the clubhouse by myself. I would say, are there other guys on the team that are thinking they're getting drafted? Uh, none that I that, okay. that had any, like, yeah, yeah. knew that they were so getting drafted. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, so I'm sitting there, and, and finally the call comes, and it's the Marlins scout. And he says, hey, we're in the 14th. Oh. If, we, if we draft you in the 15th, will you sign? Wow. And I was like, I don't know. Oh, Just yeah. draft me. Right. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. And he said, all right, well, the 15th's coming up in about 20 minutes. Stay by the phone. So now, were you I, disappointed at all that, hey, we're in the 14th? I mean, yeah, what, what happened to my... For sure. Yeah. For sure. And I've never talked to the same Red Sox scout since that day. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was like, I don't know, 15th. I, I thought I was going 8th. Right. But whatever. Okay. It happens. Yeah. Um, so, so what I, was that 20 minutes like? It was nerve-wracking. Yeah. You know? But at least I had known, like, 
you know, there was <clears throat> there was some relief that somebody was out there and I was on somebody's board. And yeah. he, you know, I don't think he would have called me if they weren't if he didn't have any intention of drafting me. And I knew that the Marlin scout who had some experience, um, he had some clout. So I knew if he said it, it was probably going to be true. Okay. So he called me back. Said we took you in the fifteenth. Jamestown, New York is the first stop. Wow. It's A ball. <clears throat> and uh, don't play tonight. Oh, okay. And I was like, oh, what do you mean? He goes, well, we just drafted you, so. You're our property. Yeah, we don't want you to get hurt. Wow. Don't play tonight. And so I was like, oh, okay. I won't play tonight. And I went to the manager of the, the Summer League team and said, hey, uh, he goes, don't worry, I didn't write you in the lineup. He already okay, knew. he knew. Right, he knew okay. had experience. He's like, all right, don't worry, I didn't write you in the lineup. He already knew. Okay, this I, I it is this is an ama- all right perfect cliffhanger spot. Mm-hmm. We, we are going to get to a part two. I want to okay. hear it. Will, part two will cover uh, Kel Olson, the the minor league years. Okay. I want to know. I mean, because I know I don't know. I assume that minor leagues. I can't imagine. I mean, you've got you got your single A, double A, triple A. You got mm-hmm. guys that are being called up and down. You've got. I mean, it really becomes a matter of what its situation or are there. You know, are there openings up the chain or people getting traded? I mean, stuff can happen on a dime, right? Yeah. And are of course. you, oh, and then yet you have to go play every night? You're always, well, you're playing. I mean, when you say every single day, you are there every single day. There's no days off in the minor leagues. You get about two a month. Wow. Um, and you're playing how many games? I mean, you're playing 100 games or more? Uh, depends on the season. Okay. Um, but a, a standard long season minor league is 142 games. Wow. Well, so 142 games. And this isn't the... In about get, 165 days. Okay. And you and, and I'm saying this uh, jokingly, you get on your chartered jet and you've got the four-course meal. you got your per diem of 200 bucks a day. None no, of that. No, right? You have uh, <laughs> gas station food because it's the only thing open after the game. Oh. And uh, peanut butter and jelly and granola bars. Had plenty of those. Yeah. Um, but no, you're on a bus anywhere from, I mean, I've heard of guys taking 17-hour bus trips. I've never taken that one that one that long. I've taken a, a 12-hour one. It's probably the longest. Oof, well. But it's 12 hours like we just got done last night, and you're playing the next day 12-hour wow. bus trip. Okay. Yeah, so it's trying to sleep bus. on the bus. Always sleeping on the bus. You get... Uh, <laughs> You know, you find a perfect way to curl up the next to a, you, know, you got one pillow and you're in, lay up against <laughs> oh, the window. I'm glad we got video, right? There yeah. you go, yeah. That's how you do it. This is how you sleep on a bus in the minor league, <laughs> oh. right? So you're a pro. If you get on an airplane, a bus, whatever, are you yeah, out? you can usually sleep. Yeah. yeah. It's like you got to get your head at the right angle. Oh, I love it. Is yeah. that, okay, and I know I, now here I'm saying I'm going to end, but that, now my mind's exploding. Uh, how much was your per diem? What would you get per day to spend on food? Uh, 25 bucks. 25 bucks. And what is it in the pros, in the majors? Uh, I believe. If it's 150. 150. So yeah. these guys are already making 20 million bucks a year, and then they still because I've heard that they never cash or they, they never take it, right? Or well, usually your your road per diem. This is what I've heard. Uh-huh. Uh, you'll get you give to your clubhouse guys. Oh, like a tip? Yeah, unless the clubhouse guys get get tips, but. <clears throat> Yeah. So would you take that twenty five bucks and all in one meal, or were you eating uh, you know McDonald's three times a day, or? Yeah, pretty much all in one meal. I usually use it for dinner. Okay. Or after uh, uh, after game beverages, so okay. to speak. Yeah. And what uh, what is the greatest convenience store food? Maybe that's a perfect way to end. Wow, the greatest convenience store food: um, beef jerky and almonds. If you're feeling healthy. Okay. Okay. Um, AMPM makes a great double cheeseburger. <laughs> That's what I was, okay. Huge right. kielbasa. <laughs> um, 
but that's pretty standard. I can't say that there's a greatest okay. mini mart food. No, nothing comes to mind. Snickers. Okay, <laughs> yeah, enough of those, right? All right, right. Uh, Kella. I know we just scratched the surface, right? But I mean, I love the the. We've already kind of hit on some of the things with the mental aspect, and I really think what you talked about earlier with with kids and and because I know a lot of parents. I know a lot of parents uh, that are my friends are going to listen to this just to kind of hear that whole take on single sport or yeah. you know that what that's like so i appreciate i know i appreciate you kind of going there but i really want to have you back and i want to talk about that mental aspect of um you know even just the I, in my mind i think I, I it's the mental part of trying to hit a ball coming 100 miles an hour mm-hmm. you know that that whole thing alone is pretty intense but i think the just i'm a big fan of i think sports teaches a lot about life and as far as like you do have these ups and these downs yeah. you got to kind of keep moving forward you got the goals you know you you want to wish well for others but yet sure. in the same breath you you're I want to go to the big leagues. Exactly, right? Yep. Yeah. So I just think there's so many kind of uh, unique skills to learn there. And I know uh-huh. that you teach a lot of that at the Golden Spikes, right? Yep, of course. Okay, so thank you for coming in. No problem. And uh, people can find you at, where's the, what's the Golden Spikes? GoldenSpikes.net, Golden right? GoldenSpikesBaseball.net. We yeah. also have a Facebook page. Okay, yeah. Yep. So look so, them up, right? Yep, yeah, absolutely. Uh, are, there, are there highlights of you on YouTube and stuff? Do you ever go look at those? Uh, no, okay. YouTube wasn't big back then. Right, there's I know, not a yeah. whole lot of video. That's a bummer, right? Okay. Nowadays, yeah. I mean, yeah. You'd be everywhere. Everywhere, right? Yeah. Yeah, I just missed If that. you go to my Facebook, I have a couple of videos. Do you? So okay. All right. Okay. So, Kella, I will uh, we'll have you on for part two. Okay. All right. So, thanks Sounds for uh, being on the virtual Absolutely. couch. Okay. Compressed emotions flying past our heads and out the other end. The pressures of the daily grind. Strengths and power.